One of my favorite things is after a show, if there's a group, uh, someone will go, oh, we loved it, we loved it. And someone will go, and you're so clean. And someone, <laughs> someone else in the same group will go, no, he wasn't. And then they go, <laughs> and then they go, oh, you were. Like, and oh, I liked so it. Funny. It's like it's like I tricked them, you know? Right. To me, that's like your clean trick. Yeah. I'm, I don't like clean comedians, uh, but some, for some reason, I laughed at you. It's the Ryan Hamilton <laughs> clean trick. <laughs> That is the voice of the great Ryan Hamilton. Oh, man. Every now and then, on Working It Out, we have a guest who, first of all, he just doesn't do a lot of podcasts. He, he, uh, he's a great comedian. He's a friend of mine. He's someone I've known for a long time. One of the comedians and joke writers who I respect most in this whole game. So I was thrilled that he was coming on. We had a fascinating conversation today uh, about all kinds of things. He's a clean comedian. He's actually like, it, it's not because he's clean that I recommend his special happy face on Netflix a lot to folks. People ask me for recs, for comedy specials. It's always in my top five of recommendations because it's so well written, such great jokes, and it's clean, which you know, for me, it's like, it just means that less people are going to have objections to it. <laughs> and so it's a, it's sort of a, it's sort of like an evergreen recommendation for me. Um, one of the reasons that this episode I, I think is so exciting today is that we, we really crack into material he's working on right now about a, a really, really, really intense uh, accident he had in the last year that was awful. But he's making comedy of it, which I always love to see, especially from someone as talented as he is. Um, Ryan is, uh, he is a hen, he's a hen-selected opening act for Jerry Seinfeld. He's, you know, this spring he'll be at, at the uh, Beacon Theater with Jerry Seinfeld. Coming up, he has dates in Boston at the Wilbur, which if you're, if you're near Boston, go see him at the Wilbur. Um, he'll be at Steel Stacks in Bethlehem, which I love Steel Stacks in Bethlehem uh, this week. Um, and all kinds of dates. He's going to be uh, in Milwaukee and Aspen and, and uh, all kinds of, 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 of places. It, oh, oh, I should mention that we talk about this on the show today, but I am he's from Idaho. He does a lot of shows in Idaho and Salt Lake City and, and in Utah. Um, I'm going to be in Salt Lake City as well. Uh, I'm going to be at Kingsbury Hall. Uh, March 17th and the night before that I'll be in Mesa, Arizona. Those were both makeup dates from the fall when the show went to Broadway. We moved them to this spring. Uh, get tickets now. Also, there's just there's about to be a bunch of new uh, dates of mine going up. Maybe some overseas stuff. Join the mailing list on Burbigs.com. That is how you find out. And enjoy my conversation with the great Ryan Hamilton. Came to the show and I have a joke, a joke in the show about getting hit by a bus and how basically the cliche anybody could be hit by a bus, which is true. You were hit by a bus and you thankfully you're okay, but you've been talking about it on stage. But when, yeah. I, when you were in the audience, I was like, wait, <laughs> should I maybe should I cut this out? It's so funny that you say that because I was in the audience going, I'm 90% sure he just had a thought about me because oh my God. I, I know that. You knew that I was in the audience, 
And I just know how it is on stage and you're thinking about who's in the audience. Yeah. And that's just been such a prominent part of my life and we've oh talked gosh, about it. Yeah. So it's funny that you say that because we both there was a, a microsecond where we both were like we had a Bus. moment. <laughs> well, it's funny because that's what fundamentally like the discussion in culture is of a, like trigger warnings is like what if someone experienced the exact thing that you're saying? Right. I'm joking about being hit by a bus. You were actually hit right. by a bus. Right. I hadn't heard the joke before, so I was going. <laughs> I was like, oh where am, where are we going to overlap? But we didn't. No. Uh, yeah. There's nothing. I don't think there's anything. No. Your stuff is your stuff is your new stuff about your experiences was is gorgeous. I've seen some of it at Cellar and super super funny and very honest. Like I think in some ways you had this awful awful. I mean like really like nightmare situation where you were hit by a like a shuttle bus. I want to say. Yeah. Is that how you describe That's it? Right. Yes. In Los Angeles. Yes. But the doctor's prognosis at the outset was bad. Well, yes, there was. I mean, I think they were, you know, they didn't think I was going to die or anything like that. Yeah. But it was a bad break, a compound fracture, I think is the term. The bone came out of the arm, and we had to put a titanium plate in there. Oh, my gosh. And it was a clean break. So I think they were confident about the surgery. There was one. Wait, when you say it came out. The yeah. bone came out of the socket? It broke here, right in okay. the middle of my, between my elbow and my shoulder. Um, humerus bone, they call it. And it came out of the front, like where my, like near where you would, there's a scar where my bicep would be. Wow. I didn't know about it. I was wearing a jacket. It didn't come out far. It's pretty have you made graphic. A, have you made a pun joke about it being humorous? <laughs> You know, <laughs> the worst joke. I considered. <laughs> I considered. That's always the funny conversation you have with comedians when they pitch you jokes that are not great. You go, yeah, I thought about that. I thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> pitch you tags. Your special from Netflix, I want to say, came out four years ago. Five. Five years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's so good. I watched it again. I laughed. Again, like I, it's one of those specials I recommend to people all the time. Oh, that's nice. Because, well, one of the things that's interesting about you as a comic is like, you're so clever, you're such a great writer and performer, and you're clean, which is notable. I think I experienced this for a period of my career early on. I was clean entirely. And then I did wrote Thank God for Jokes. And fundamentally, that was about the nature of jokes. And so I was oh, talking right. about curse words. Right. And then actually, I had a funny thing in Utah, which is I, I did a show, and I know you're huge in Utah, but it's like I did a show in Utah, and it was the Thank God for Jokes tour. And all of a sudden, word was out that Mike's not clean anymore. It was like, it was like Dylan, <laughs> Dylan went electric. I relate to that because. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I'm not that I have done that, but I'm scared. I don't know what I would do, but it's like I do sense that I someday could be betray people who like me. That's interesting. <laughs> I don't think I would. I don't know what it would be, but I have that sense that, you know, because there are people who come to the show because they know it's clean. 100%. They like you. They're a fan of your comedy, but they also, that's a big, you know, if you're going to take a piece of the pie, like why are they coming? Like half of it is because... They just don't have to worry about it not yeah. being clean, which I'm happy to have anybody at my show who wants to enjoy it. Of I'm, course. Yeah. yeah. So um, 
But that's not always, you know, I just, it just comes out of me that way. That's, you know, it just is like, I'm not, I'm not making a decision to be clean or not clean generally. I mean, it just kind of comes out. Yeah, I started it as... That, you know, I consider myself a writer. I think of it as word choice. You mm-hmm. not using a curse yeah. word more than any other word. Right. You know, so like comedians who people would consider dirty use the f word or c word or whatever like twenty five times <laughs> in a show. And and I would say if you you know if you use the word marshmallow twenty five times, you go, what's with this guy in marshmallows? <laughs> That would be really weird. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how I think, that's how I think of curse yeah, words, though. Yeah, yeah. That's why I don't curse. Right. I'm like, word choice. Right. Yeah, but it's a weird thing because one of the so one of the things reasons I recommend you always when people ask for comedy special recommendations is because you're clean. It's a wider swath of people yeah. who I know for sure will love it. Like I don't think I've ever recommended your special and had someone say I didn't like it. <laughs> that's nice that's amazing <laughs> that's nice that's amazing yeah. hit ratio yeah yeah one of my favorite things is after a show if there's a group uh someone will go oh we loved it we loved it and someone will go and you're so clean and someone <laughs> someone else in the same group will go no he wasn't and then they go <laughs> and then they go oh you were like it and i oh, liked so it funny. it's like it's like I tricked them, you know. Right. To me, that's like your clean trick. Yeah, I'm, I don't like clean comedians, uh, but some Ryan. for some reason I laughed at you. It's the Ryan Hamilton <laughs> clean trick. <laughs> so that always makes me go, "Oh, I'm doing my job," because I want to. I want to. I don't know. I want people to feel good. I want people to laugh. I want people. I'm. I'm not um, picking a specific audience necessarily, but I do get like. I'll often have three generations at my show. Yes. <laughs> you know, grandmother. I love that. Kids and their It's like kids. my favorite thing. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Yeah. I always say my shows are for 12 through 112. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's interesting watching you at the Comedy Cellar because by virtue of the bus accident was so serious, you talking about it brings out a different side of you. Yeah. Like I think it's a more, it's more like, talking to you sitting at the table at the comedy cellar than you seeing you perform. Yeah, I was working on this I could never really get it to work, but this one of the first ideas I had when I really it took me months but I before I could really start thinking about this, but when I was started thinking about it, one of the first thoughts I had was I'm not this kind of comedian. I don't know how to do this right. like I'm right. the kind of comedian who gets hit by a bus and has like oh my God. 5 minutes on hood ornaments or something, <laughs> you know, like it's like I'm like I'm not a trauma comedian. Oh my gosh. But this was like an exception or something and it forced me to talk about something that I normally wouldn't get this personal with, you know. I'm and, not that kind of comedian is so funny I relate to that so much because when I wrote My Girlfriend's Boyfriend about 10 years ago, I, it was the first time where I did, uh, I acted out the scrambler at the carnival. And when I wrote the bit, I was like, well, the only way to convey what's <laughs> happening <laughs> is to act out the scrambler. I mean, how could you possibly, other than just going like... <laughs> He's done the right, you know. And, right. and, and it, was a, it was actually a hugely seminal artistic moment for me because I was like, oh, I have – I, at a certain point, I got to let go of who I think I am and just right. be who I am. Yeah, right. Do you feel like that with the bus stuff? 
Yeah, I do. I feel like it. It. Um, I mean, I've I've written it in a way that it feels like the rhythms and everything are all the same as I've always done. Yeah, but it's deeper. The content's a little deeper, yeah. and it's more personal, and it's relating to people in a way that I haven't really had material relate to people. Not that there are a lot of people who've been hit by a bus, but it's just when you talk about trauma and these kinds of uh, situations, everybody has a, one of these moments in their life. Yeah, of course. And so they just go there. And so yeah. I think it it's something I haven't really experienced in my stand-up yet with my audience. This is the first time. So I think it is different, yeah. Have you found that comedy audiences are more open-minded to any type of comedy than you think, than you would assume? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Because I found that when I talked about jump, sleepwalking through a window, I was like, oh, they're like game for this. Yeah. I was like, this is going to be too much for them. Right. And they're like, no, no, they're in. Isn't it weird? It's kind of like, well, I don't know why we have this um, wall up to go against getting specific about our lives, but it's like, in the specificity is where people really relate because I've never jumped out of a window, but yeah. I, I I go, oh, I have health problems. I have issues that I've had to, that's where I go. And so you just kind of like, yeah, it, you have to get specific. So you grew up in Idaho in like this kind of famously small town, like a thousand people yeah. you talk about in your special. Yeah, yeah. Is it all Mormon? No, it's, it's, I don't know, maybe half, a little more than half. Yeah. So there's Methodist, Lutheran, Mormon. Yeah, there's a mix. Chris Red was on the podcast and we talked about how in Salt Lake City, it's like one of the best comedy towns, I yeah. think arguably in the world. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree. Yeah. Like, and... I'm, I'm going to be there at Kingsbury Hall in March. And like, I love going there. I love yeah. going there. And whenever, I, and Chris, Chris was saying this too. Whenever we go, we always talk to Mormons. Yeah. And we always like to, what's going on? Tell, <laughs> tell me about the religion. I want to understand this, you know, because it's, it's, it's so outside of people who aren't Mormons. It's, it's typically so outside of what we understand as, yeah. or what we were raised as. I was raised right. Catholic, for example. And, but we, our experience was Mormons have pretty good sense of humor. And since I said that on the podcast, I've gotten emails saying, not true uh, or <laughs> true. People, people can have conflicting opinions about that. Where do you, do you think that Mormons have a good sense of humor about the religion? I do. Yeah, I do. One example is, um, I always thought this was interesting that, you know, a Book of Mormon, when it came out on Broadway, it was like Mormonism was having this moment, <laughs> yeah. you know. Mitt Romney was running for right, president, right, right, right. and it was like, "What is Mormons this are coming thing? up?" Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, and the church ran an ad in the playbill that said, "The book is always better." Yes, and it was like, "That's that's pretty good smart. joke." Yeah, it's, it's a, a good, good joke. joke, decent yeah. joke, right? And it's yeah. like they they didn't take offense to it. Yeah, they didn't go against the grain. They didn't come out and say, "There's a lot of stuff in here that you know we need yeah. to defend." Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just go. The book is they always kind better. Of, they yes and it. They yes the and book it. is always better as a five word joke. And you know, as a joke writer, that's a good joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I think 
uh, I think if uh, there's all sorts of people in every religion, but I think that they're pretty good audience. The uh, oh, while I'm but do you have any recs by the way? Salt Lake City, while I'm there, uh, things that I might not know to look up because you've played there so much. Well, I mean, you would know this, but just for your listeners, Wise Guys is one of the best comedy clubs in the country. Oh my god, it's crazy. People don't expect that to hear that, but. Amongst comedians, we all know. Oh, we all know. Denver yeah. Comedy Works is like yeah. that. There's a handful yeah. of them There's that a are handful of that yeah. for whatever reason, the alchemy yeah. of the people in the city, the way they run the club, yeah. the height of the ceilings. Yeah. Yeah. It's just they really care there and and the shows are fantastic. They bring in good comedians. So that's one thing. I mean, um, it's just a beautiful place. Anytime you can get outdoors, it's yeah. gorgeous there. You know, it's so unique because you can get up into the mountains so quickly from mm-hmm. downtown. Yeah. Which is like, I think you can get to like five different ski resorts within 45 minutes or yeah. an hour or something like that. Yeah. It's really unique. So that just take advantage of that in yeah. the winter or the summer. Temple Square for the history is really interesting. Just yes. the temple, the, the when they came across the plains as pioneers, built this temple in the middle of the desert. Yeah. And it's still erect and stands and be- it's beautiful. When you do you ever play? <laughs> it doesn't seem possible. Do you ever play your town you grew up in and a thousand people? <laughs> you'd have to, you'd need all half the town to show up. It's not really possible, I don't think. <laughs> I mean, it's, it would be hard. I have done things like I spoke at my high school graduation. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah. So I've gone back and done a few things, but I, I do a show. Um, in one of two cities. Actually, I have a date coming up in March in Rexburg, Idaho, which is 30 miles away, and Idaho Falls, Idaho, I did over Thanksgiving. And that's as close as it gets to me coming okay. home to do right. a show. Right. So you were you grew up in Idaho, and then was college radio your first time breaking into comedy or like talking at length? Yeah, exactly. I, I was going to be a journalist. I had a little radio show in college, and some of us were interested in stand-up. So we did a remote for our radio show at a little pizza place. And Where that was, was this? It was in Rexburg, Idaho. Rexburg, Idaho. I went to okay. a small junior college there and um, transferred later uh, to Brigham Young University in Utah. But um, we did stand-up in a pizza place. None of us had ever even been to a comedy show. I love we it. Just, tried it, you know, and it was broadcast on our little, we did that like four times. That was the first time I did comedy. Yeah. I love that as as an example for people listening, because I feel like often like creatives listen to the show, there's mm-hmm. a lot of the questions is like, you know, I had Mark Forrester, the movie director on, and I, I said like, what's step one for being a movie director? If you want to right. write movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and with stand-up comedy, I get that question a lot. What's your step yeah. one? When I was in college, we, me and my friend, uh, Michael, we uh, took the coffee shop that was in the student center, <laughs> created yeah. like a comedy night yeah. in it. Yeah. For with like a little microphone and an amp yeah. and like 20 yeah. people watching, yeah. maybe 10. Yeah. yeah. And it was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm we sure learned a lot. Was. Yes. The, I, and maybe it was terrible. I don't know. It doesn't yeah. matter though. Yeah. Yeah. I think things are a little different now, but when I was growing up in such a rural place, I didn't have access to anything. Everything I was interested in, there was nothing like, 
you know, I wanted to be a newspaper humor columnist is what I really sure. wanted to be. <laughs> I had that aspiration when I was in high school. Did you? Yeah. 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 So I called the, uh, the county newspaper when I was like 14 years. We didn't even have a school newspaper or anything like that. For people listening, newspapers are like these broad Yes, sheets. exactly. It's you, so hard to explain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they just said, actually, I, I kind of do this as a joke when I'm in Idaho. I just said, when you're in Idaho growing up in the 90s and you call the newspaper and ask if you can have a column, they just say, yes, yes, you can. That's so funny. And I just wrote that all through high school. And that was like my first kind of foray into like trying to be funny yeah. publicly. Yeah. But there was nothing... There was no, there was like, we did a high school musical once a year, but that was really the closest thing that there was to me. One of the things I love about your special is that you really trash New York (laughs) City, which I love because I feel like there's a lot of New York City kind of exceptionalism. Yeah. And I live in New York. I've lived here, I'm a New Yorker. I've lived here 20 years plus, 22 years. But there is, it's annoying. Yeah. I love New York too, but I do always feel underrepresented here or something. It's just like, it's like we're all different here, but nobody understands where I'm from here. None of my friends get where I'm from. Yeah. No amount of explaining. They can't understand it, you know. And I, it was, I intentionally, they wanted to do my special out of New York. And I said, no, I have to do it in New York because... Yeah. I can't do these jokes about New York for the special right. unless it's in front of New Yorkers. Right. And that just gave it a little more power. Well, yeah, but it's funny because you have this joke where you go, like, <laughs> uh, if you can make it anywhere, this is the Sinatra song. If you can make it yeah. here, you can make it anywhere. And it's like, and you go, no, <laughs> not true. I think that's <laughs> so true. I just is like. It's a ridiculous concept even. Yeah, yeah. What do you mean? Like, yeah, you could make it. As another advertising executive <laughs> in Chicago? Is that what you mean? <laughs> right, like, if, like, could you make it in Abilene, Texas? Because I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. I'm not convinced of this. Like, do yeah. you grow wheat? Do you know the first thing about farming or, or, or uh, raising yeah. cattle? Nothing. No. Nothing. No. You don't you know couldn't. anything. Yeah. You take yeah. the subway. Yeah. Subway's the easiest form yeah. of transportation. Yeah, yeah. And uh and and that's that's uh I I love that your special hits that. Now I'm kind of doing I have some jokes about it in a different like kind of like almost the opposite direction. It still has perspective because this is true. I I love New York, but when I come back, it's not my default setting. I don't know if it ever will be. It's like Oh, yeah. It's like and so there is this like every time I come back there's a little like and I get this, I have to get back into the rhythm of this city, and it's not my default setting. My chest starts to tighten up, my thoughts start to whirl, I oh, say. Wow. And then I go, it's like getting into double dutch, you know? It's like I can oh see gosh. it coming. I'm going to New York, I'm oh, going to New York. That. And then it's like you're in it, and you're, right. you're, you're like doing it. You're right. like, you know, <laughs> you're like, I don't have any money. Hold the door. Oh, my God. I go, uh, I go, uh, uh, this is a two-bedroom? Are you out of your mind? You know, it's just like all these things of New York that you're just in. That is so funny. Double Dutch is a phenomenal <laughs> turn of phrase. Life is kind of like one rope. 
right. jump rope. <laughs> right. And then New York is like, two ropes. This is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is happening? What is happening? I can't believe I'm doing it. It's That's like, how it feels. You're yeah. in Seattle. You're in New York. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great joke. Oh, good. I love that. Thanks. Have you been doing it? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been doing that stuff because I just, I have this bus stuff that like takes up the whole set when I'm in the city now and I'm trying to tweak little things. It's a weird thing. It would be interesting to talk to you more about this, but we have a little, but like the length of the set, I don't know how to work that out in the city. Because it's like, I've never had a thing where I'm like, I need an hour to work this out. Yeah. It's like hard. Yeah, it's like I think that what you should consider doing is some hours at the cellar's mm-hmm. uh, fat black pussycat, which is around the corner where it's like, you know, 60 people in a room or yeah. 80 people and just see how a full bus hour would go. Yeah. Because I think that could be fascinating. Yeah. Obviously, like Sleepwalk With Me and some of my other shows are based on this idea of like, you start with the single story of I jumped through, you know, a few years ago, I was in Walla Walla, Washington, blah, blah, blah. And then along the way, I jut out to a digression here, a digression here. I keep coming back to the central story. Right, right. But I feel like the bus story is so ripe for that. Yeah. It's like the perfect story because, first of all, it's got majorly high stakes. It's also like a curiosity. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It is very strange. Like it's one of those things yeah. where – People lie in bed at night thinking, what would happen if I got hit by a bus? It's so weird that it's just the thing that people go to. Like, it's like the hypothetical death that people grab onto. Like, yeah, I talk about that in the joke. You know, it's like, you don't know, you might walk out of your house tomorrow and get hit by a bus. That's what people say. And that's what happened to me. (laughs) But I don't think they actually mean get hit by a bus. And then I say, but I'm here to tell you. Live your life. (laughs) Live your life. But most of my set is about health now, so it's all kind of like one topic. Yeah. But like I get into it by talking about the insurance struggle. Yeah. And then it's oh my gosh. And then it's into like others. That that kind of feels like I can go into more broader mundane kind of top, not mundane, but broader topics. Well, it's funny you you go through the insurance thing. I you know I had bladder cancer when I was 20. I talk about it in Sleepwalk mm-hmm. With Me and, and in Old Man in the Pool too. But I've never even talked about this on stage. The insurance thing, that's a whole hour. Oh, man, it's crazy. I, it is I, wild. I, I have periods in my 20s because I'm a self-employed person. Yeah. I had no health insurance. Yeah. I have cancer. <laughs> what am I going to do, wing it? <laughs> Wow. You know what I mean? You didn't have health insurance when that was going no, on? No, no. Oh there was a gosh. period of time I didn't wow. have health. I had lapses. Right, right. Like I was under my parents' insurance for yeah, a bit, yeah. but then it lapsed. And then right. I was like, ah. Yeah. And then like, I remember like being on the subway and seeing like a sign one day that said like freelancers insurance. And I was like, yes. Yes. I know. <laughs> I had that too. <laughs> in that same moment. What is this what? you say? Yeah. Freelancers? <laughs> Which is like not even really what we call ourselves, but we're like, it's close enough. It's close enough that I can, these people will understand me somehow. <laughs> I'm a freelancer. Yeah. Can I be, please? I remember that the freelancers union seeing the ads on oh the subway. God. It was like a godsend. You're like, maybe this is something. 
Yeah. I was in the, <laughs> I was, I talk about this, like, there was a moment when you're in this kind of accident. So I had the 10 broken ribs and my arm, my lung, and they didn't know what else. And they wrapped me up in this thing that's like a burrito. I love they, I love they didn't know what else. That's a great setup. <laughs> well, I'm sure they didn't. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. when I got to the trauma <laughs> unit, they were like, they were like, I have a broken collarbone. And they were, they thought it was recent. They were like, is that, they were starting to treat it. I go, I had to be like, that's 20 years old. They were just like all over. Because wow. they don't know. Anyway, I'm wrapped up in this burrito thing. Like they just wrap up your whole body. It's like I can't move a muscle. And I'm oh laying gosh. in the oh ambulance just like I have a neck brace on and all I can move are my eyes and my mouth. And the guy is like reading me questions. And I just, for whatever reason, it's like my mind is on fire. I don't know if it's the adrenaline, but I, I'm like, I can answer any question right now. And I'm like, just challenge. And in the act, and he asked about my health insurance and I say it. And he goes, and it's it's apparently just in New York. And he goes, I never heard of that. And I just remember laying in the ambulance going, I am in trouble. Oh, my God. This guy has never heard of my health insurance. And um, in the joke, I just say, just leave me here. I'll just live in this thing forever. I can pay cash for this oh thing. Oh, my God, that's so funny. But it's terrifying. Well, because I think I want to say my insurance is SAG, and, and so it's like Blue Cross, Blue Shield, like Anthem or something like that. Yeah. But I am just saying, like, it's after years of having, like, yeah. non-existent weight, yeah. the same thing you're describing, which yes. is, like, I don't think that's health insurance. Yeah. Like, when you go to the doctor, <laughs> yeah. like, we definitely don't take that. Like, yeah. you have any cash on you? <laughs> when you have the thing that says Blue Cross, it makes you so proud of being yeah. part of a corporation. Yeah. You're like, we demonize these corporations, but then you're like, Blue Cross. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with the big guys. <laughs> like a backstage pass. Yes. <laughs> Just a, it's a backstage pass for the hospital. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Yeah, that's, that's worth funny. trying. All right. Yeah. I would I might throw that in. Yeah. I mean the insurance thing's a riot. It's crazy. I, it was one of the first phone calls I made. I made a phone call to the health insurance company before while I was laying in the hospital waiting for surgery, waiting for emergency surgery. Yeah. I called them to go, I don't care, just pay the deductible because oh I gosh. want this. Like yeah, to get it to yeah. get surgery again. It's so stressful. Yeah, um, it's almost it's funny. It's almost like you you yeah you. <laughs> the insurance I had in my twenties when I had you know I had had I had had cancer. The looks that they would give you when you would try to go to a doctor. I know. Were <laughs> as though you had written down the word insurance on a piece of paper and handed it to them and said, this is my card. And they're, just, they're like, that? No, 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 no. That's not how insurance works. <laughs> this, where does this work? <laughs> Surely, surely this is a company of some kind. But you're desperate. Like, yes. Well, you're so desperate when you don't have health insurance. You're on the subway, which is, you know, the sign is basically next to a sign that's like, you know, we'll fix your teeth for 40 bucks. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. The, the sign, that the, yeah. the most ridiculous kind of like con artist, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, yeah. you'll never have acne again, 13 bucks. You know what I mean? Right. Dr. Z, whatever the thing is. And then it's like, and then you're like, well, that's bullshit, but yeah. this thing's real. This is, this is health insurance. No, I'm sure of it. Freelancers, I'm freelancer. 
<laughs> That's how con men work. They prey upon <laughs> your desperation. Of course. We need this thing. It's so scary to not have it. Yeah. That's really what you realize is you have to be your own advocate. Like there's no yes. other way out. Like you have to be. Yes. Like, when you're in the hospital laying there, like you have these moments where you're like, like my ribs were all broken up and I just didn't feel good about it. When I got out of the hospital, I was like, I know there's nothing I can do, but it just feels like there's, I need more information. So I went back and they sent me to another specialist. They did a CT scan and immediately this uh, thoracic surgeon was like, you can't travel for eight weeks. Oh my God. And I'm like, oh, they told me like three. And she's like, no. It's because of your lung. It needs to heal. And I'm like, well, I'm glad I didn't fly. Wow. I mean, she's like, you'd probably be okay, but I'm not sure. Yeah. So uh, you're not going to fly until I see an x-ray at eight weeks. And it's like, that what, wouldn't... What, because your lung would have collapsed or could have collapsed? Just because why? it was injured and, yeah, and it, because of the pressure on the airplane. Yeah. It, it wasn't, wouldn't be able to handle that. Yeah. And oh, this 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 hacky comic is doing uh, lung collapse on the airline jokes again. <laughs> this guy, we've heard it. I felt like my lung collapsed when I <laughs> ate that food. Support for Mike Birbiglia's Working It Out comes from Helix Sleep. Helix has been with this podcast from the very beginning. We are huge Helix mattress fans over here. Let me tell you a few things that are great about Helix Sleep mattresses. They are fiberglass-free. Unlike other brands, Helix mattresses do not contain fiberglass, which can be harmful to your health, as you may have seen in the news or on social media. There have been a number of health issues and lawsuits related to fiberglass and mattresses. You know, actually, I used to, I used to have a mattress that was pure fiberglass. It was just, it was literally a bed of fiberglass. No longer. I sleep on Helix mattresses, which are fiberglass-free. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash burbigs. That's helixsleep.com slash burbigs. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long with Helix. Better sleep starts now. No, now. Working It Out is supported by Squarespace. Squarespace is an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. I should point out that this is an ad for Squarespace, but I love Squarespace. I was thrilled when they became an advertiser because we've used them for years. Our website for Thank God for Jokes was Squarespace. Our website for Stand Up and Vote was Squarespace. Couldn't recommend it more highly. We use it all the time. Start a completely personalized website with the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint. You can sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses, or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, head to squarespace.com slash burbigs, B-I-R-B-I-G-S, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash burbigs to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. When you tell your story, what's the most extreme reaction you've had from an audience member coming up to you after a show? 
I had a woman uh, in Idaho Falls, actually, who I was doing a lot of crowd work. And she, a lot of people were just kind of talking and it was fine. But she stood up and said, I lost a son as a pedestrian in an auto accident. And I'm just so grateful that your mom was there to be with you. She stood up and said it in the audience. And it went like, and I didn't know how to handle it, really. I mean, it was like I had so many emotions because, first of all, I was alive. And um, the pain that I knew she was just to uh, a son is what she said. So it was like. I just immediately felt empathy, but I'm at a comedy show. It's yeah. a strange dynamic. Yeah. And it got very quiet. And so I just I just tried to ask her as little about it as I could without getting detail, but letting her speak and just said, I'm so sorry. Wow. I'm so, so sorry that happened. Wow. And... Um, if I can, I would love to talk to you after the show. Yeah. And I had, I was able to meet them and become friends with the, this couple. They're very sweet people. Mm. They live in Boise. They had driven like six hours to the oh show. Oh, gosh. So now we're friends and, and, um, but, you know, we went to breakfast together the next day. Aww. But it was just, uh. It is interesting because it's like, like I was saying, that was very specific. The husband had to leave the show because he couldn't handle it, which yeah. I understand. And I, they they didn't know how much I was going to talk about this, yeah. you know. And um, and honestly, if I was in a show and someone was talking about getting hit by a bus for half an hour, yeah, I might have to leave. Yeah, like, of course. You know. Yeah. I, I, I even now when I'm talking about it, there are moments where I'm like, I'll have a little flash of like, that was real. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. joking, but it's like, that was real. Yeah, I have that sometimes with sleepwalking. I bet. Where right before I fall asleep, I have a flash of like, oh, yeah, that could happen. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I don't even like to talk about it. It's like I, I flash back to that. I flash back to dreams that I've had in my life where, hitting my head against something or this or that. And I fear, what if I'm having that? And I wake up and it's real. It's weird, right? It's weird to talk about those things on stage because it's almost like I click into another place and I'm like, okay, this is is the material. I'm thinking about the lines. But then every once in a while it just flashes in where you're like, oh yeah, that was was real. But um, sometimes I have that with my show with Old Man in the Pool where I'm talking about such embarrassing things. I'm talking about... You know, the, seeing the urologist when I was in high school and asking, like, in hindsight, the most embarrassing questions. And then on, on stage thinking, like, am I saying this to strangers? What am I doing? <laughs> I've had that too. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, wow, I'm I'm oversharing a little bit. <laughs> but, that, but that story about the, the the woman saying that, I mean, it's so moving, but I think that that's worth talking about in the show. Certainly if you're going to let it go to an emotional place, because I think it... It shows versus tells, which is always, I think, what we're trying to do as storytellers. It shows versus tells the power of comedy and storytelling, which is to right. say that you told your story that opens up and she tells her story that yeah. where she opens up. And, yeah. and that's, 
that's uh, has a degree of healing that's right. worth talking about. Right. Yeah, that's true. I do think generally it's been healthy for me to talk about it. Yeah. Do you feel the same about the things that you've talked about? Yeah. I, I yeah, I do. I think I'm better for having written all this material and talked about it than if I hadn't. I'd be so bottled up about it and so it would just feel so unnatural because comedy is such a big part of me. It would be very strange to ignore it. How long did it take you to talk about it I after mean, it happened? I didn't get well, I wasn't able to physically like work for three months. And the first thing I did back, what well, actually wasn't stand-up, it was I... Uh, I wrote for Amy at the Oscars. Oh, for Amy Schumer, yeah. 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 And so that was like a couple weeks. And then when I got back in April, I really started to get on stage. I'd got on stage a couple times maybe before that, but I was, uh, and I, but I talked about it the first time I got back on stage wow. immediately because it just felt like impossible not to. Yeah. It was just like, I looked strange. Like yeah. it was obvious that I was hurt. I think. I mean, maybe you, I could have played it off, but it it was just all occupying. So it would have been impossible not to talk about it, I yeah. think. I fiercely, as a fan of yours, as a friend of yours, fiercely believe that you should do an hour on the experience, but with digressions into other yeah. stuff. I mean, I, I'm at like 25 minutes, 30 minutes without any kind of digressions at all. I haven't talked about physical therapy. I haven't talked about the time living in L.A. with my mom in a hotel for a month. Yeah. I haven't talked about wow, that's, the recovery. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting because I've, I say like my mom, she had to come be with me. I couldn't do it alone. I was so grateful to her, but it was like we started over. It's like she's taking care of me again. Oh my gosh. And I'm, I'm an adult. It yeah. was like, but I'm helpless. I'm like a child. So it was like, right. it's like we started over again. We're going to pick up right where we left off when I was 10. Wow. Oh, yeah. You realize things about your dynamic that you didn't know? It was weird. I was in so such a weird headspace and in pain and all of that. But my dad had... <laughs> Just to add more, my dad had passed away a year before my accident. And so my mom had taken care of my dad because of his health concerns for a long time. So she kind of moved into, like, it was natural for her to oh, take wow. care of someone. And then I kind of fell into to my dad's role a little bit, I wow. felt like. Yeah. It was just interesting. Like, I remember having conversations with my mom about my siblings feeling like, this is what my dad would say right now, Gosh. I think. It was wow. interesting. That is fascinating. But I also, because I'd, I'd just gone through COVID with my dad and then he passed, it was like I knew how valuable this time with my mom was Yeah. also. Yeah. Even though I was recovering and like it was a strange period, it was like I did, there was part of me, there was another level of me where it's like this is rare and this is a valuable thing that I'm getting. Right. That's That's actually, I think, one of the things that, you get from pain and painful experiences is you do get in clearer focus how lucky you are to have the thing you have. Oh, man. My parents had COVID twice this year and it definitely zeroed me in on like, okay, yeah. and they're in their 80s. I'm like, right. okay, right. well, what we have is we're very yes. lucky. Yeah. We have this. 
Yeah. In a way, I felt like I went to my own funeral or something. Oh, weird. my gosh. Because it was like I just heard from so many people who didn't know what was going on. And all I could think was, I just want my life back. I would yeah. give everything yeah. I have, just everything, just to get, I would start over just if I could get back to Yeah. But life's weird. And then you get into your life and it's, that was the thing that I tell people, they go, what did you learn? And I just want to say that the, the thing that I learned, I think, is that um, to, to when you go back to your life, you, you, I, I just don't want to forget. Like, it's weird. Yeah. Like, because, like, I went through all that with my dad and realized how lucky I had and all the stuff I had. And then I had this profound moment because it was like, not a, it was like a year and two weeks since my death that I was laying in the hospital. Oh my gosh. And I was like, I had this weird feeling where it all came back where it's like, oh, this is the same feeling I had a year ago where I said, don't forget this. Oh, wow. And then I'm like, I forgot already. It's like, <sighs> and because those two things happened a year apart, it just made me go, really, really don't forget. You know? <laughs> really, really don't forget. Really, really this no, no, time. This time for real. <laughs> yes. For real. We're going to do it again. This time for real. That's how it felt. Yes. <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate it, everybody. We're going to do it one more time. We're going to, this, this is going to be the circle take. The. No, but it's it's in my show. I talk about how Warren Zevon said on you know as he was dying of uh, terminal lung cancer to David Letterman, he said, "Enjoy every sandwich." Right, right, and, right. But the enjoy every sandwich thing, it's like for me, I feel like a lot a metaphor for what you're describing, which is like having everything taken away uh, and 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 appreciating what you have or what you used to have is, I think, COVID for a lot of people. Yeah. So, sure. so for me, like the biggest thing was, and you're a part of this, is I used to go to the comedy cellar a few nights a week and it right. was this very casual part of my life and I'd have a, a salad and a chicken kebab with and with friends who are yeah. comedians and I'd yeah. go on stage a few times and yeah. watch other comedians and you and I would kick around joke ideas, other other comedian friends. And then when it was gone, holy cow. Yeah. When we couldn't go in. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I'm like, I'm getting choked up thinking about it. Like, I, I I realized how significant it was in my life just to be with other comedians. It's, feel, it's like the, I feel like they're the people who speak the language that I speak. Yeah. It's, it's such a supportive group of people, too, at the same time. It's like, yeah, it's really interesting um, dynamic. And even people I don't know. That like it's a small group, but there's like we all kind of feel like we know each other because we've seen each other. We have a lot of common yeah. friends, and even if I go to LA and see people I've never met before, whatever, I do feel a certain level of like support from even strangers. Mm-hmm. It's really a strong community. Working It Out is supported by Squarespace. Squarespace is an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. I should point out that this is an ad for Squarespace, but I love Squarespace. I was thrilled when they became an advertiser because we've used them for years. Our website for Thank God for Jokes was Squarespace. Our website for Stand Up and Vote was Squarespace. Couldn't recommend it more highly. We use it all the time. 
Start a completely personalized website with the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint. You can sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses, or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, head to squarespace.com slash burbigs, B-I-R-B-I-G-S, to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash burbigs to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Support for Working It Out comes from Viore. Viore is a clothing company that draws inspiration from the coastal California lifestyle. I was thrilled that they were willing to be a sponsor because I could just talk about how soft and comfortable their clothing is all the time. I mean, I'll read the stuff they told me to say. It's uh, It inspires others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it does that. But also, my experience is just very, very comfortable. Viore offsets 100% of their carbon footprint. And since 2019... They've also offset 100% of their plastic footprint. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off. Ooh, that's good. Your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable, versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash burbigs. That's viore.com slash burbigs. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping. What? Free shipping. On any U.S. orders over 75 bucks and free returns. That's viore.com slash burbigs. Discover the versatility of Viore clothing. We're going to have to keep the slow round for next time because I'm going to go straight to material because I, I can't have you here and not <laughs> work on material. <laughs> this is what I wrote down. I haven't even put this on stage. I have an injury, like my left shoulder, I broke like 12 years ago. And so I'll go for physical therapy and massage therapy and things. And I was in another city on tour in the fall and I went to this massage therapist named George. I told him uh, about my shoulder, I can't really move it. I don't have full mobility. And I showed him the mobility and he started moving it around in ways uh, that made me scared <laughs> that he was not hearing me. <laughs> <laughs> and, then he, and then he said by the way this is like this is a section of the show called from the notebook i mean this is not audience tested material right. this is just the story this is yeah. me writing down my notebook yeah. what happened uh so i don't have all the jokes yet but he said to me in my country there's a saying that god and i thought oh no <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I'm not sure I believe in God, and I definitely don't believe in George. And partly because George is very proud of George. Like, he's very, like, this buff, ancient Greek warrior body guy. And he goes, we have a saying that God gives us our bodies but doesn't put them back together. And I said, what's that again? And then he says it again. I still have no idea what he's talking about. I have to figure it out. So I say, I'm trying to, like, understand his accent. I go, are you from Greece? And he goes, Romania. And then he says, some people say I'm magic. They come in, they say, George, you fixed me. And now I'm even more nervous because <laughs> I don't believe in God or magic. And I, I, don't, I still don't believe in George. And I'm not sure his story is even true about these people. I don't think anyone said he's magic. And George works on my shoulder at the end of it. He sits me up and says, how does your shoulder feel? 
I said, it's magic, George. You fixed me. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> a nice, nice little vignette. I don't know what to do with it. I've been wrestling with this injury forever, and I've, and I've written down a lot of different little vignettes like this. Yeah. Like George. Yeah. So he's, what kind of doctor is he? Oh, he's just a massage therapist. A massage. And he's just very, this, I mean, it almost looked like he was straight out of a movie about like the Roman Empire or something. Right. You know, like, this is a very unique character. <laughs> he looks like God gave him his body. Yes, that's right. That's a good point. Yeah. Right, there is some trust. Yeah. When someone evokes God and they look a little bit like a Greek God. <laughs> This is how you put your body back together. Now I can help you put yours back together. That's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. You want you want a body like this? You want a body like this? I can get you set up. The, the you know what's funny? I didn't even didn't even make this connection. I've been reading my daughter's been reading about like Greek gods. And so I picked mm-hmm. up a my wife and I picked up a book about Greek gods that like grown ups and kids can read together. Oh, and I'm cool. reading the Greek gods yeah. book, realizing yeah. how little I know. I know. I mean, there's so much. My God, do I know nothing? Yeah, I know. You ever you ever read a book and you think you, you pick it up and you think like I'll know some of this stuff, <laughs> and then, and then you're going every sentence you're going well that's new. <laughs> Well, that's no. I didn't know that. You don't know anything. Yeah, that's Greek gods. Yes, I know. But but the thing about the Greek gods that drives me nuts is when you have you have a daughter. My daughter's seven and a half years old. It's like the most sexist. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. It's like there's this god and then his nymphs. I'm like, hmm. (laughs) So where does if you're a girl, where do you see yourself in this story? Are you the god or are you the nymph? Right, right. Um, yeah. And it's kind of, you know, it's troubling. Of course, and of yeah, course everything of course. In, for for centuries and yeah. millennia there's uh there's misogyny and I'm like where do you begin? A lot of these gods are about to get canceled, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're, t- you're telling me? I mean, they've had it too good oh, for too yeah, long. Yeah, 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 no, clearly. <laughs> clearly. Mount Olympus is not, uh, <laughs> it's not as oh high. Oh, my God. Um, Dude, that is so funny. <laughs> Some of these gods are going to get canceled, or they should. I Some mean. The, I read a Vulture article <laughs> about, yeah. I'm trying to think of a good god. I read that Vulture article about Poseidon. It's pretty cut and dry. <laughs> I know you play Idaho a lot. Yeah. I had this Boise, Idaho story, because I love Boise. Yeah, Boise's great. Um, People don't realize, I get so many requests to perform in Boise. People in Boise, I don't think they realize, this is not even a joke, their town is so popular it's hard to get availability at their theater. You can't get a venue there. I've been it, trying to get. It's uh, wild. Yeah, people are mad at me because me I haven't been there for so long. No, I, yeah, I get these, yeah, con- I get these yeah, constant comments. Yeah. How come you don't come to Boise? I'm trying to. I'm on the phone with my agent. How come you can't? I know. We can't play Boise. It's weird. It's a weird problem that doesn't exist in a lot of markets. No. What is happening there? They need to build a theater. They yeah. need to build another theater. They need another one. There's demand. Whoever's building these things. Okay, so one of the things that I do. When I'm traveling, I'm sure you do this a little bit too. Is like try to get to the town a little bit early, experience the town a little bit, mention it up top. Yeah, it's yeah. like a nice like way yes. to to yeah. be, feel like you're part of the town. Yeah. And 
every now and then I find myself in a jam and I miss my flight or whatever it is. So one time I went to Boise and I get there two hours before the show. So I have no experience of the town whatsoever. Right. <laughs> and I say to my tour manager, what did you do today? Because he got there the night before. Because I went to this great place for breakfast called Goldie's. They told me the wait would be an hour, but it actually only took 20 minutes. And I go, that's a cocky restaurant. Pull it back, Goldie's. <laughs> and he laughed. And I walked on stage. I said, this, this morning I went to Goldie's. <laughs> they said it was an hour wait. It was only 20 minutes. And then I did the punchline. I got a laugh. And it was as though I had gone to Goldie's. Yeah. So here's where it gets bad. Next morning, I wake up. I ask for directions at the front desk to Goldie's. Hotel clerk goes, thought you ate there yesterday. Oh. And I thought, it's a pretty small town. <laughs> I'm used to lying in larger cities. <laughs> Even as I say this, I'm lying about how witty I was in that moment. I wasn't witty. I was groggy. I hadn't drank my coffees from Goldie's yet, which I may or may not have drunk eventually. <laughs> So that's like a fun. That's great. Like a fun little. Yeah, vignette. that's a, yeah, that's a funny little thing. It the lying in a small town is like to me the crux of that thing. That's really, I think, meaty. It's, yeah. Um, that's maybe worth tying back to. Obviously, you grew up in a small town. I grew up in a small town too. Shrewsbury, Mass is yeah. like, you know, or at least when I grew up there, it was twenty five thousand people. It's probably grown, but but right. it definitely didn't feel like you could keep a secret in that town. Right. Right. Yeah. Unless you're a priest, in which case, <laughs> man, were there secrets. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Kept by all, you apparently. Want, you want to learn how to lie? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, but that's a, funny, that's a funny angle, just <laughs> getting caught. Having yeah. no, no, not even thinking that it would be, there would be any repercussion. And yeah. then all of a sudden, blowback. Yeah, and you just see it. I mean, that's sort of, and, and oddly, you know, that's sort of the internet in a certain way now. Yeah. Where right. it's like, if I post something saying, you know, I yeah. love Salt Lake City. Yeah. Well, there's another tweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> from, from 15 years ago <laughs> that someone screenshots and goes, oh, actually, yeah. here's, a, here's another feeling you had about Salt Lake <laughs> you City. You had a different take. <laughs> um. What if you went back? Boise is the internet. What? Yeah, that's funny. What if you went back to Goldie's and they're like, "Oh, it's a two-hour wait." You oh, that's funny. They, oh, that's they, funny. They, they, they stick it to you. Everybody knows that yeah, you've yeah, been yeah, to yeah, Goldie's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. funny. Yeah, I don't know. Happens again. Um, do you have anything that you want to? Uh, let me see. I'm working on a line in the bus stuff. It's, I don't really know how. I just kind of tell the story about. Um, when I was in the hotel with my mom, I couldn't watch anything and anything with impact, any action thing, and really anything on TV was make, giving me anxiety. But I finally was like, we're going crazy. We need to watch something. I got to get over this. So Muppets Take Manhattan <laughs> I love it. was next on the hotel. So we watched Muppets Take And this is really all I have. But the entire crux of the Muppets Take Manhattan hinges on... Kermit the Frog getting hit by a taxi That's cab. That's right. Oh, my God. In Manhattan. This is shocking. So I... This is shocking. The first thing And getting tried, amnesia. Yeah. So the whole film is about the Muppets trying to find <laughs> Kermit. Oh, God. 
<laughs> because he has a big show on Broadway. This is wild. And and this is the first thing that I try to watch. After being hit by And I bus. can't even watch Muppets oh Take gosh. Manhattan. In. You were triggered by the Muppets. Well, it was just like, I mean, there is the actual <laughs> visual of Kermit getting hit, which is quite violent. Yes. And, um, but also just, it was very discouraging because it was like, at the time, now it's kind of funny, but at the time it was like, I can't even watch the Muppets. Like, how am I going to get over oh my gosh, this? Wow. <laughs> yes. But I don't know how to expand that. I, I yeah. Mean, that's, that's. And then so I turn on the Teletubbies. <laughs> I couldn't handle that either. I couldn't even. Because I was purple. <laughs> Everything. Everything on my body was purple. <laughs> The last thing that we do is uh, working it out for a cause. And if there's a nonprofit that you think is doing a good job, then uh, we'll contribute to them and we'll link to them in the show notes. Okay. I do a lot of work for um, Scott Hamilton's Cancer Research Foundation. My father died from esophageal cancer. And I connected with these guys when my dad was going through treatment. I did an event with Scott. He's an Olympic athlete. He's an ice skater. And that this I grew up. ScottHamiltonCares.org. I'm yeah. looking at it right now. This looks like a great, a yeah. great organization. They do. So I I do some shows with them a couple times a year. And they're just great people. And they're doing a lot of good research. That's great. We're going to contribute to ScottCares.org. Cool. And uh, we'll link to them in the show notes. And hopefully people consider contributing as well. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ryan. This is kind of awesome. Thank you. We'll have to have you back, and I want to keep hearing about the show and the progress (laughs) of the show because, obviously, you're one of my favorite comedians. Oh, that's nice. I'm really dying to see where, where it goes. Well, it was a pleasure to talk to you. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man. Working it out because it's not done. Working it out because there's no that's going to do it for another episode of Working It Out. I love Ryan Hamilton. Go see go see that fella live if you can. Watch his special happy face on Netflix. You can follow him on Instagram, Ryan Hamilton. Uh, and you can see me, uh, my stuff, at, uh, in Utah at Kingsbury Hall on, Mar- on March 17th or Mesa Art Center, March 16th. Um, our producers of Working It Out are myself, along with Peter Salamone and Joseph Berbiglia. Associate producer Mabel Lewis, consulting producer Seth Barish, assistant producers Gary Simons and Lucy Jones, sound mix by Shub Sarin, supervising engineer Kate Belinsky, special thanks to Marissa Hurwitz and Josh Upfall, my consigliere is Mike Berkowitz, special thanks to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music. Special thanks to J. Hope Stein, my wife, the poet, her book Little Astronauts in bookstores now. Special thanks to my daughter, Una, who built the original radio fort made of pillows for the podcast. Thanks most of all to you who are listening. Thank you for all the great feedback and comments on Apple Podcasts. If you have 45 seconds, (laughs) help us out and and spread the word on there that we exist (laughs) in this this sea of podcasts. But we care so much about ours and we work so hard to... To, to, uh, to make it nice and, and tidy and, and sound real nice and bring the best guests like Ryan Hamilton. Uh, thanks most of all to you who are listening. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. In the spirit of Salt Lake City, 
tell your enemies, and then also tell them about Mormonism. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot more complexity. As I, as I always say, the book is always better. <laughs> we'll see you next time, everybody. <laughs> Working it out. <laughs>